I am uh, one of the pastors here, along with Pastor Jesse. And every six weeks or so, we have a family service. And as you guys can see, we've got children all around us. And uh, we are so glad that we can spend today, uh, all of the service today with them. So um, uh, Jeff mentioned earlier that if you have children, if you prefer to, if they start crying or um, if you just want to bring them into uh, the mat room, I think we have the mat room open, right? It's um, We have it right back here. We've got a mat. We've got some toys if you want to send your children back there or if you want to go back there with your children. Um, we also have a radio in there so you can hear the entire service. But if your kids start crying and you want to keep them in here, that's totally cool as well. Um, what I like to say is if you hear a child rustling or, or crying or making noise, this is just... Um, What's happening in all of us? They just know how to express it a little bit more uh, uh, in a way that other people can can sense. But um, crying is welcome today, um, either adults or children, and um, making noise is welcome. So do not feel uh, bad if your children start making noise or if they start running around. You are all welcome here, and um, this is we are a family, and we're, we're glad that we can be a family together. So. The next few moments are going to be split into two parts. We're going to have the children's homily, and then I will, um, and then I'll, I'll preach the sermon for all of us. So um, I'm going to invite the children up. Um, we've got some chairs right here, and uh, I know that some of you guys prefer to stay with your parents. If you prefer to stay with your parents, that's totally okay. But if you would like to come up here and be closer to me, then you guys are welcome to come up here right now. You can stay right there. All right, look at these children. <laughs> All right, so um, welcome, guys, to our, our children's uh, time to, for our service. Um, so the first thing I'm going to do is uh, I want to tell you guys a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. So we are going to go through a passage in First Peter, and it's about holiness. And have you guys heard the word holiness before? Yeah, some of you guys. Does anyone want to take a stab at what holiness, being holy, means? Yes. Being really, 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 really good. Awesome. Thank you. Um, this is one of the things that the Bible talks about, that God is holy, right? And God is, he's kind of like really, 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 really good, right? Um, but he's not just like a better version of us. He is a completely different, he's completely different than us. And so because he is so high and so different, he is really, really, really good. We call this um, moral purity. Uh, morals are a kind of how you... Uh, interact and how you th- how you interact with the world and how you think and um, God calls us to be holy to have these like really good thoughts and do really good things and there's also another way to think about holiness so to illustrate that I'm going to ask for can I get maybe two or three volunteers to come up all right George and you want to come up anyone else okay you too okay all right come on up so you guys know what this is right these are these are we get these in the mail and these are ads for the newspapers and um I'm sorry, ads for the grocery stores. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to place them up here, right? So I've got all these ads for the newspapers. And do you guys know what a coupon is? You guys know what a, do you know what a coupon is? A coupon is a little... Come over here. Let me show you. All right, so you, we're going to have to dig around a little bit, all right? So not all of these have coupons, but this is... this. You guys know? Do you guys know what a coupon is? A coupon is like something you can rip out of a newspaper... 
and then when you present it at the store, they will take it and you can save some money, all right? So I've got a lot of um, ads right here. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is dig through them. Can you guys each find one or two coupons and just rip them out? And it's okay if it's not clean. Just uh, rip it, rip out the coupon, okay? Abby, do you know what a coupon is? you want to try? Okay, here. Does, does uh, Dad want to help her? Or Maria, why, you can come up here too, Maria. All right, so while they go through these ads and and, um, and look for these coupons, let me ask you guys, do you guys ever go shopping at the grocery store with your parents? You guys do? All right, tell me what you guys like to look for. You like to look for fish? Ooh, yum. How about you, Josiah? Ice cream, okay, what else? Cheerios? Oh, shoes. Okay, awesome. Yes. Oh, you like, you have to look for snacks? What kind of snacks? Also, 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 I like that they sell, like, you don't have Oh, you mean snacks that you can just take? You mean like Costco, you get free samples? That's my favorite thing to get. <laughs> How about you, James? They find what for you? My um, meatballs and sauce. Oh, meatballs and sauce. Yeah. Ooh, yummy. All right. Who else? Okay. So, um, you guys. So, you guys like going to grocery stores. I like going to grocery stores too. And uh, I like to shop. And I like to buy cereal and meat and milk. So, um, sometimes I like to save money. So. A tip for all you adults, you guys, if you get the apps to these stores that you shop at, there's a very often um, discounts you can get there, so uh, Safeway is uh, the one I like to use. Okay, what do we got here, guys? Okay, yeah, pull it out. Just rip it out. All right, what do you got, Abby, right here? All right, you have got, what do we have here? All right, we've got um, things for, oh, here you coupons. So it's a coupon for Jenny O'Hold turkey breast for 99 cents a pound. Um, and uh, russet potatoes, you got you got some good ones, Abby. Um, turkey, Foster Farms turkey and chicken franks. All right, I love it. Thank you. All right. Well, we got some, uh, a coupon for beer as well, so. I got two. <laughs> All right, what do you have? This one. Oh, $10 off 50. Oh, this is a really good one. Actually, at Lucky. Thanks, Maria. Oh, you got a whole page of these. All right. Oh, nice. Okay, how about you, George? You have got, oh, coupon for spare ribs and ragu sauce and uh, Modelo. Peaches, too. All right, how about you? What, we got a coupon for shrimp and eggs. Awesome. This is, oh, you got more cereal, uh, pancake syrup, and granola bars. Very good. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you guys for helping out. So let me, let me tell you guys why we did this little, uh, fun exercise. It's because our friends here, they went through everything here and they chose, they took out something that was to be, uh, you, that they could use at the store. Another way to think about it is they set apart something from the ads so that they could use it for something good. And this is one way to think about holiness, is not that we're coupons, but God has chosen us to be set apart. He took us out of the world, and he set us apart. And there's this wonderful verse in Ephesians 2. It says, we are, we are chosen by God, um, and we're God's workmanship 
so that we would do good works. And this is what we, what God has called us to do. We are holy. We are, and holiness means also doing really good things. But before we do really good things, we need to understand why we do good things. And the reason why is because God has chosen us. He has set us apart. Like you guys set apart these coupons so that we could do good um, for God and also so that we can and we're gonna hear later, um, we're gonna do this as his children. We're gonna, we, we do good things because we know that God our Father cares for us. Okay? Any other questions or any thoughts? You guys got it? Alright, so what is holiness? It's set apart. Can I hear you guys say set apart? Set apart. Cool. And then I'm gonna do one more thing. Um, there's a word, there's a Greek word for holy, and um, I'm going to teach you, you guys are going to learn a second language today, all right? It's hagios. Can you say hagios? Hagios. That means holy in Greek. All right. You guys can go. Thanks, guys. Um, we we have some sheets for you guys um, back there. Tracy, right? Uh, if you guys follow Auntie Tracy, she has got some sheets for you guys for so you guys can fill out. All right. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll convert to adult mode now. Our passage today is from the book of First Peter. First Peter, chapter. 1, verses 13 through 21. And like I mentioned um, to the children, we are talking about holiness. So let's read these verses together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, verses 13 through 21. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spots. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of God. And let me um, pray for us before we get into the message. God, we um, ask that you would direct our attention to your word. You speak through your word. And I pray all of us, from the little um, children to um, the oldest adults, that we would come before you as children, ready to receive your good word for us. So open our, our minds, open our hearts to receive this as we talk about um, this holiness that you call us to, God. And I pray that you would conform our minds to the image of Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, like I mentioned, we are going through the book of First Peter right now. And the predominant theme that we're looking at as we go through this entire series is one of exile. 
And this book, First Peter, is a reminder to the church that we're out of place in this world. This is an exile. We've been ta- we we don't belong here. We should feel uncomfortable here. We should feel like we don't really fit into this world, because if we are in Christ, we don't. And it's not because this world itself is bad. There is so much beauty and there's so much goodness in the world. But the way that the world operates, the governments and societies and cultures of the world, they're driven by the need for power and for control. For individuals, the desire to express and assert yourself. The pursuit of comfort and pleasure. And most of all, the people in the world are lost in darkness because they do not know their creator. They are lost in their sin and they're without hope apart from Christ. And this is the condition of the world. But God, he says, in his kindness, he makes a way for us. We do not need to be stuck in that darkness. And the heart of God for all of us is that we would have this light to live by, that we would have a hope, and that we would have Jesus as our treasure. And this is what it means for us to be exiles, that we are to live aware of this world that we reside in, but we do not set our roots down here, because we know that we belong to another country with another set of values, with higher motivations, and with a truer king. And as we talk about this holiness, I want to acknowledge that this is kind of a religious word. Um, and even in the church, we, we may have this aversion to the word holiness or the concept of holiness, because we think of holiness as something that other people are. If you went up to someone after service and you said, I'm a holy person, that would be a little bit weird, right? Or... Holiness is a goal that's really difficult to attain if we understand that it's a good thing. We just think, this is not something that I am now, and it's going to be really difficult to be holy as I go on. And this morning, I want to help us think about what holiness is, especially in light of the primary theme of 1 Peter. I want us to see that holiness is something that we, we can be, something that we are, and there is a beauty to it. So as we read through the text earlier, um, the first word that we read was therefore. So whenever we see the word therefore, we need to recognize that there is a reason why this word is there. It points to something prior. So we should understand the, the, the contents in the verses prior to it. So The passage that we're reading today, there is a call to action. But before there is a call to action, there is a truth. There is always a truth that precedes the commands that God gives us. So looking back on the previous passage in 1 Peter, which uh, Pastor Jesse took us through, the church that, that Peter's writing to, he's telling them, you have a hope, you have a living hope, you have an eternal inheritance in heaven. And though you suffer trials you know that there is a glory that awaits you. And Peter, he is, as he's speaking to the church, he's saying repeatedly, look to the future, church. Look to what is ahead. Look to what is coming toward you. Don't get stuck in this moment alone. But look ahead to what belongs to you. And this is the basis for everything that we're going to go through this morning. Why do we have the word therefore? It's because we as believers in Christ... 
have this living hope. We know that there is a grace coming our way. So let me, uh, let's look at the first verse. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter is saying here, listen up. Here is a call to arms. Here is something, church, that you should be doing. Get ready. And there are two things Peter tells us right off the bat that we need to be. Number one, your, your minds need to be prepared. And number two, your minds should be sober. So he says, prepare your minds. He says, be intentional and purposeful with your mental focus and attention. Don't be lazy with your thinking, but gird your mind. There's this image that, that Peter kind of alludes to. If, if you're going to go to war, um, you should be ready to go. You should strap on your 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 armor, you should take your weapon, um, prepare yourself for this fight. And there is this very intentional image that we should have. Be purposeful, be intentional, be focused. And he says, be sober-minded. He says, be realistic about what the world and our human condition is really like. To be sober-minded means to have a grasp on reality. It means that you go into life with your eyes open. And there is this contrast with intoxication. If you've ever uh, have been intoxicated or if you know people that have been intoxicated, you know that they're acting a little bit weird. They're acting a little bit crazy because of whatever substance they took. They don't understand what reality is in the moment. And when Peter says, be sober-minded, he says, don't be drunk, don't be high, don't be um, intoxicated. He says, get a grasp on reality. Be tempered and reasonable in your thinking. And Peter says this, these are what you should be, but these are not independent commands. They are requisite for the other command that we see in verse 13. Listen to the second half. Set your hope fully on the grace that is coming. Set your hope fully on the grace that is coming. And this is such a beautiful thought, such a beautiful phrase, that there is a grace that's coming for us. But Peter is saying, if you really want to set your hope on this grace, then these are the requisites, that your mind needs to be ready that your mind needs to be sober because you cannot understand fully the grace that's coming to you until you have this focus and sobriety of mind. Um, Kids, when you start going through these higher uh, levels of school, when you go to high school or college, um, there's there's, uh, something called uh, prerequisite classes. If you guys, uh, those of us who have gone through higher education, um, if we want to take a more advanced course, there's always something called a what course? There's a prerequisite course, right? Because in order to really grasp the concepts taught in the more advanced classes, you need to take these prerequisite courses that prepare you to understand what's going to be taught. You need need to gain the knowledge and you need to develop the skills in these prerequisite classes. So if you one day will take calculus, what's the class you need to take before that? It's pre-calculus, right? Um, whenever I think of pre-calculus, I have nightmares because I barely pass that class. Um, if you guys are in elementary school, before you take multiplication, you need to know addition and subtraction, right? 
These are prerequisites. And Peter's telling the church the prerequisites to setting your hope on this grace that's coming to you is that your mind is focused and attentive. If you really want to understand the hope of the grace that belongs to you, be intentional and purposeful in how you use your minds. And what does that look for us practically? It looks like this. What do you pay your atten- what do you pay attention to? And what do you allow to distract you? Which voices are you listening to and which are you tuning out? It's so easy nowadays to with all the media that we have to give our attention to 50 different things on a given day. And what we have in this verse is this this call to say, focus on only the most important things. We need to look at reality with a serious and sober and focused mind. And this needs to be us in order that we will set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what Peter is telling the church. And now that they're aware of this living hope that we looked at um, in the previous passage, you can put your enti- the entirety of your existence on that. So what is it that you are working toward in your life? What is your end goal in life? That is your hope. So kind of more um, short term, we, we, what is our goal? I want to have this type of career, or I want to have this type of degree, or I want to have this type of family. And these are all hopes that we have. These are all goals that we have. Peter says, look even higher. Look even higher. The Bible's understanding of hope is not wishful thinking, something that's far off and perhaps one day we can attain. The Bible's understanding of hope is that it's a solid and certain thing. There's a certain promise, not a wishful desire. So There are lots of things that I hope for in my life. Most of them probably will not come true. I probably will not attain most of the things that I hope for. But if we believe in Christ, there is one thing that we hope for that is for sure coming to us. For sure is coming to us. We sang these songs that one day, one day we're going to see something eternal and glorious there's a grace that will be revealed and given to us that one day. First Peter 1.4, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Everything beautiful and good will one day belong to you if you are in Christ. Whatever you enjoy now in this life, this is but a pale shadow of what really belongs to you. And Peter says, I hope you understand that. I hope you understand that. And this sets the basis for the rest of our passage. This is about holiness, but before you understand what holiness is, understand what lies before you. What lies before you, prepare your mind for this understanding of holiness. So the bulk of our passage um, today, or the bulk of our time, will be spent in these next couple verses Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. There is a contrast here. What's what's the opposite of obedience? It's disobedience. And disobedience is, according to Peter, it's being conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. 
Peter's saying that, the, that before God did the work in our hearts, we were ignorant. We were ignorant of reality. We did not know God. We did not know ourselves. We did not know the truth about our condition before God. That's what our lives were defined by. And Peter speaks of our passions. What is it that you love? What is it that you're willing to sacrifice for? Because that's what passion is. If you're passionate about something, that means you're willing to suffer for it. So some of you guys are passionate about a certain person. You're willing to suffer for that person. Some of you are passionate about your jobs. You're willing to suffer for that job. That's what passion is. And what is it that you love? This is what is going to govern your behavior. That is the conforming to the passions of your former ignorance that Peter is talking about. Our actions will always ultimately align with what our deepest desires are, whether they are good or bad. It's not what you say is important. That's not what will ultimately govern what you do with your life. Your deepest desire, that is what is going to govern the direction of your life. And Peter says, this is what was true of you, church. In your ignorance, you were driven by these disordered loves. You were shaped by your old desires. But he says this in past tense. This is what you once were, but no longer. There is a new you. The truest version of you is the one that's set apart. And what we heard earlier with the children if you want to be holy, understand that you were set apart. You were made new. And holiness is not primarily about doing good and avoiding bad. Holiness is about understanding that we are exiles, that we do not belong here, that we've been set apart by God. We've been chosen by God. We've been rescued and redeemed, and we belong to Him. We don't belong to God as a servant or slave. And we're going to look at this text here so that we can merely do his bidding. We belong to God, yes, but we belong to God as a child of God. And Peter reminds us of this truth in, these, in this phrase, that we are children. We're children, and there's an adjective before that. We are, what, obedient children. And why does Peter use this two-word phrase, obedient children. It's not just that we need to be obedient. and It's not just that we are children of God, but we are obedient children. Because there is always a relationship that precedes our actions. And God is not so much concerned about our actions as He is about the relationship. Obedience is not a robotic adherence to rules. Holiness is not about doing things. It's about our orientation toward God and toward other people. We see this in the, in the Bible, some examples in Amos. God tells His people, I hate these religious things that you're doing because you're not practicing justice because your orientation toward others in the world is not right. And everything that you do, everything religious that you do, I will not accept because God cares about the orientation of your heart more than he does about your outward acts. In Luke 21, the story of the widow's might, do you remember the story? The widow, what did she give? She gave a tiny, tiny bit. She gave like two cents. But that mattered to God because it was not how much she gave. It was what was in her heart as she gave. In Matthew 5, 23, 
He says, you can do religious things, you can approach the altar, but it, don't do that before you make things right with the person that you have a grievance with. Make things right with your brother or sister. Because again, what does God care about? Not your outward actions, but the orientation of your heart. God is concerned about the heart and spirit behind our actions. And holiness is secondarily about our actions, but it's primarily about your orientation. Our orientation toward God and toward others is determined by what we ultimately desire. And what we ultimately desire is determined by our nature. And this is what verse 14 is about. We have these passions, and our lives will always ultimately conform conform to these passions. So what should we want for ourselves as a people? We want to be people who are have integrity, someone who is aligned completely, mind, body, heart, and soul. All of these things are in sync for the person who is holy. There's just one line from a, um, a Switchfoot song called 24, and I really like this line that they, they sing. I want to be one today, centered and true, So I'm singing, Spirit, take me up in arms with you. You're raising the dead in me. I want to be one today, centered and true. Holiness is being centered and true. It's being one. Anything that we do should come from a deep understanding of who you belong to and what you have because of who you belong to. And this is the good news for us today, that we're given a whole lot of commands in the Bible. We're told to do a whole lot of things, and it seems really heavy and burdensome. If all they are are commands. But the truest thing about us, Indelible Grace Church, is not that we're given burdensome commands to follow, but we are given a new home to live in. We have a father. That phrase again, obedient children. Why does Peter specify that we are children? Why does he say, so that you are obedient servants of God, or that you are obedient people for God? Why doesn't Peter talk in those terms? It's because the obedience of a child is different from the obedience of a servant or a slave or an employee. A servant, he obeys his master out of obligation. A slave obeys his master out of fear of punishment. An employee obeys their manager because they'll be out of a job if they don't. And the motivation in any other relationship is always going to be one ultimately of reward or punishment. But why does a child obey? A child obeys his father, her father, because of the love that's in the relationship. A child understands that his father wants the best for him or her. And this father would never demand something from the child unless it was necessary and good. And I know as you hear that, you might be thinking, my father was not like that. Or you may know of people who have had rough childhoods and their parents were not the parents that they should have been. But when it comes to God's fatherhood of us, it is different. Because not only is he a good father, but he's a father that chose you. That is being set apart. You've been taken out of 
this world, you've been taken out of darkness into his light. And God is not ashamed to be your father. God's heart beats with a fatherly love for you. And how you understand your relationship with God is going to affect everything in your life. Understanding God as your father makes it possible to live this holy life that he's calling us to. Listen to this quote from J.I. Packer. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that is distinctively Christian, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. And this is at the heart of the passage today. Do you have any desire to live a good life? Do you have any desire to live with integrity? You have to understand that God is your Father. There's this command, be holy like your Father is holy. It's not a command to try harder. If that's all you take away, then your faith is going to be really exhausting for you. Holiness is not a command to try harder. Holiness is an invitation to live the life that your Father has designed for you. This is the family trait. And this is what makes sense of the rest of this passage. If you call on him as Father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile, because this world is not our home. Our Father's house is our home, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Tim Keller, he says this, The essence of a holy life is that you obey with children. And you need to understand this. If you are in Christ, you are accepted not as... God does not take us in reluctantly. God does not weigh all the good things you've done and say, Okay, I will let you in. But if you haven't, then no. No, God welcomes us. He calls us and He has made a way to be His child. And you have been accepted and you've been given everything that the Father has. Why should you be obedient? The motivation is here in this passage. Because you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spots. And if you want to get to the heart of what it means to live an obedient life as a child of God... As an exile in this world, you need to understand how God gave himself for you. And this is what makes sense of this passage. That Jesus Christ, like we said earlier, he presented himself wholly to the Father without spot or blemish. He presented himself to the Father so that we would not have to present ourselves with our dirty rags, with our sin. Jesus took our place on the cross. And the gospel says, though you are stuck in your sin, though you love this world, though your affections and your desires are for things that do not last, if you understand the gospel, 
all that can change because everything that is Christ belongs to you. You have the righteousness of Christ. You have the holiness of Christ. You have everything that the blood of Christ has bought for you. The passage today says this, before you try to be a holy person, you set your eyes fully, you set your hope fully on the grace of God that belongs to you. Now may this be true of us, that we do not try harder, but we go deeper into our relationship with God as our Father. Will you pray with me? God, we are grateful that Christianity is not a list of things we need to do, not a list of rules that we need to accomplish before we enter into heaven, but that our faith is one of a father hugging his children and saying, God, son and daughter, you belong in this house, so now live as if this were true because it is, because of what Christ has done. We pray, the name of, we pray this in the name of our brother, Jesus Christ. Amen.